You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. He's back uh, for the hundredth time, it seems. Uh, Thomas Batchelder is uh, back with us, and now he's going to talk uh, Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad to be back, and I'm sitting here in front of a barrel uh, with uh, my Christmas candle. Very uniquely bought, a very unique item from uh, Sobeys. So I'm trying to bring a little spirit into the season. Now I got to tag Sobeys into the into no, the mess. Let's just start over. We won't have to. Well, no, let's let's continue on. I'm I I was told to pour this what you call the blackboard into uh, into my glass. And Thomas, you were talking to me today uh, earlier, uh, and uh, Mr. Levi DeLoren was with you. Yeah, and you right. ate, you wanted to get some anecdotes. Yeah. Uh, in so while I taste this wine because Andre cannot because his did not arrive in time. But I did or taste UPS it. Screwed up. I did taste it on the um, on the weekend. I saw that it was at the LCBO, and it's one of those things where I ran as soon as I saw it was at the LCBO. To... So and Andre, this changes it now that you're a winemaker too. So I always love giving you like a little more info. Not that I wouldn't give it to you if you weren't, but yeah. the Ardois, which means the slate board, right? So the British call a blackboard, a slate board, and the French call it also a slate board. Ardoise is slate, like literally the rock. And so why this started is we were making uh, Aligaté in Burgundy, and we said, Aligaté, man, we're going to barrel fermented and punchins, but let's, we're going to be a serious Aligaté, but let's give a nod to the menu or the wine list that comes, you know, on a chalkboard in a Parisian or a French or maybe even a Toronto or a Montreal bistro. And so we did. And the LCBO was only sold in Quebec, got wind of it, and they said, we want that label uh, on your Chardonnay. And so, like, there's never been, this Chardonnay has never been really on our classic white label, which is really funny because if you look at it, um, it doesn't even have our logo. And... um, this uh it, it's it's a logo that just you know looks like somebody wrote it on a chalkboard when because you were having some bachelor and what's very funny anecdotally about this wine is uh, this wine i pull out my hair to make because uh it's got to land in the lcbo at uh 25 bucks it's got to be you know 100 a barrel ferment uh mostly neutral besides any new oak that gets kicked down but it's it's got to be like you're not having any other of our wines still representative of what we do, and um, I, this is the one that London's always bought, and so I can't get rid of the black label because the UK loves it, and I think it sells for twenty nine twenty three pounds there to restaurants. So we've seen it in Mayfair many times at places like Sexy Fish and. Um, uh, other restaurants, which I can't remember just now, like the Dorchester, selling for 90 to 110 pounds. So that makes me sweat because it's got to be good. Uh, clearly, we can't lavish the attention, individual attention that we do on the single vineyards. We don't give it quite as long barrel age, but we give it 16 months. So that was an anecdote about how the world told us what this label had to be, and we're stuck with it. Uh, I don't know if you like the label, but that's what we got, you know? I, I love well, the label. I've always been surprised that you didn't use it a little bit more um, widely, to be honest. 
We should do well, a now, Pinot. Now that I, I've I've tried this this wine, I really like that mocha note you've put in it. Mocha? Mocha? I want to see how long it'll take Thomas to try and find it. <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> it's not there. I just, uh, it's one of those things that I wanted to see if you go, yeah, maybe there, maybe it's there in the background somewhere. <laughs> no, didn't give me that time. Uh, and Andre, that, that or I was dream, dreaming it was Cabernet. One of the two. <laughs> one of the two. Well, listen, I uh, I uh, stole one of my daughter's glasses. Violet is on the front lines at Taws, and she uses uh, this Chardonnay glass uh, that I'm leaving in front of the camera there. Um, so I'm going to try it tonight and see if it gives me any more than the standard burgundy glass. I believe you guys just use your standard white wine glasses when you're tasting Chardonnay. No, I, I picked no. out a burgundy glass for tonight. I figured it's your stuff. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Andre? Uh, same thing. I'm using... Um... I'm using my Schatzwiesel um, Crew Classic Burgundy Glass, uh, something Michael put me on to, I guess, like 10 years ago now. Still my favorite wine glasses. Cool. Well, I know I like Schatzwiesel. And, you know, um, uh, maybe this is a Schatzwiesel. It's a Toss glass. But the point I'm, I'm making is, um, you know, if you have great single vineyards anywhere in the world, think, think Burgundy, and then you do a village or whatever, um people it's got to be good enough that when it gets marked up in a restaurant people still getting think they're getting value and so i don't know how they can charge that kind of money for it in england except to say that they're used to overpaying for stuff in mayfair you know because it's, it's it's the jane austen part of town it's pretty hoity-toity and pretty old uh and pretty damn good restaurants there and i think it speaks a lot to niagara uh and and the terroir of niagara uh, that 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 you know you can make an honest twenty five dollar barrel ferment that's aged sixteen months. Somebody can overprice it, and they go, "Yeah, that's cool. That's cool." You know, I mean, you're paying what? You're paying seventy bucks for a Merceau, which is kind of like a village wine, right? Um, Michael, what do you think of this wine besides the mocha? You know, you know what, Thomas? I don't know if I'm going to insult you here or not, but uh, it's Chardonnay. True. Like you, like you, you've hit it on the nose. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, it's to to me, Andre seems to want to wax poetic about it. I think it's it's a it's a nice, pleasant glass of Chardonnay. Yeah, and I think let's let it warm up. And I want to do is really go through the single vineyards and come back to this, and uh, at the end and see how we feel about it. But yeah, well, to be it cool. It so. It doesn't wow me. It doesn't blow me away. But somebody pours that for me, I'll happily drink it. And that, I'll be honest. That's uh, my that's my feeling on the wine as well. I mean, for twenty five dollars, it's it's solid Niagara Chardonnay. If there's someone looking for a direction or an introduction to you, Thomas, and to your wines, I mean, it's a really good baseline. Um, I don't think it's it's tough to convince someone to pick up a bottle of the single vineyard once they've tasted that wine. But, you know, it's, yeah, or, it's, it's or the village, right, which yeah. is a step up. You know, the thing is, I'm not insulted by that. I'm very happy with that. Like when you when you're making, uh, I don't know, you know, some domains down in Davaye have a Solutre, they'll have um, they'll have a pre-frise and then they'll have a Saint-Veran. But most of the time, they'll either serve their Mac in Macon village or, or one of the village, you know, like Macon Uchizy or Macon Luny. 
And whenever I'm drinking those wines, I'm very happy, you know? I'm very happy, and I especially like the barrel fermented ones if they're neutral. And I think uh, that's what we do here, you know? And depending on the year, this is 18. I'm just really happy, like, how much uh, minerality and how good the posture of this wine is as opposed to what it could be in a hot year. So... Um, and I, I, I'm actually just really, really surprised because 2018 was quite a warm summer. Um, yeah. And the fall was a little bit more of a, a challenge as opposed to 2017, which was reversed. Right, uh, exactly. Why, why are the 2018s just showing... And I'm finding this a, 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 across the board. So I know you can't speak to other people's winemaking styles, but why do the 2018 seem to be showing a little bit more of that barrel spice and vanilla from, you know, it, it, pretty much across the board versus 2017, mm. which was really, really more fruit driven? It was. But for instance, when we get to the Wilms, I thought it showed more barrel spice in 17. But to answer your question directly, I'm just amazed with the Chardonnays of everybody. Who did a decent job chardonnays in niagara and 18. we get so worried about these you know uh cool uh warm year wines and we didn't have to shaptalize and we didn't have to acidify the the vines like we said earlier the in the last show they just stalled in the summer and we ended up with uh pretty average bricks and pretty uh pretty low ph uh which in English means the wine is uh, has great structure and great acidic backbone despite the summer. I always say the summer doesn't always equal the wine. There's also, of course, the winemaker's prowess, but there's also the individual sites, the age of the vines, the spacing, and how the viticulture was handed, handled, and how did the year finish, you know? So it was not an early harvest, 18, much like 20. It was a, a torrid summer that slowed right down, and then we harvested in the end of September. And, you know, that's not early. So here we go. I'm moving to the village, Michel. Oh, this is yeah, the one I'm, I haven't uh, tasted. I'm tasting that while, uh, while you guys are chatting there. And uh, what, I, what I find here is uh, there's a, a obviously a – well, not obviously, but obviously to me. It has a, a richer mouthfeel than the, um, than the uh, blackboard. Yeah, uh, but I also like some of the flavors that you've uh, you've got out of this one. There's a little pineapple. There's apple. There's a little pear, and then uh, somewhere in the back end, there's a little bananas foster that that kicks oh in. Oh my here. god, I forgot that that existed. My sister <laughs> used to make that. She worked at a place called La Louisiane in Montreal. My sister Linda still lives in Montreal. Oh my god, okay, I actually so I actually just had to Google bananas foster because I've never heard of that, and my wife is a pastry chef, so I don't know. What's if going on in your house? It's just an outdated recipe, but it looks incredible. Yeah, and, and so Michael, to your point is, um, I was fascinated when Stratus first came out with their Stratus Red and Stratus White. I remember that it was such a brilliant idea. They're single vineyard wine Stratus, right? And I love them for it. Uh, they do a blend like Chateau Neuf de Pape, let's say, not flavor wise, but from many different grape types. But they're all grown on the same property, so it's a very cool concept, and they use different, and you know. I kept saying, what's in this blend? Is this white blend dominated by Riesingers or Gewurz in there? Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and same with the red, you know? Did you stick a bit of Gamay in with the Cab Sauv? And it was just, I learned after a while that it was just representative 
of the Stratus property and they just did the best job they could in any given year to use the grapes that delivered terroir. So once I got that message, how that is the same but I entirely dissimilar from village is you can actually taste this village and try to figure out if it's more Wilms, uh, more Fox, or more Wingfield, the three single well, I gotta, I gotta find out where that Bananas Foster comes from. That's what I need to find well, out. Michael, I guess that the one thing I'm wondering, because I, I obviously don't have that wine in front of me, was fortunate enough to taste the um, the 2018 Niagara. What's the difference between the Village and the and the Niagara in terms of tasting notes? Because I think you're talking about a, what, a $5 difference in price there, Thomas? Mm-hmm. So the single vineyards hover around 45, and the the village is 34, so 10 bucks less, and 10 bucks less than that is the uh, black label that was as Port. And uh, this to me is it's got more precision and more weight. Uh, I'm really happy it's a big step up. You know, consumers who want to pay 10 bucks for more for a wine. Uh, this is like this is not 100 barrels, right? This is seven barrels. It's not a big cuvee. There's 25 cases in a barrel. So whereas uh, you asked about Ardoise, Ardoise, we make about, I think, 500 cases right now, the black label. So 500 cases of black label and then down to 175 of this. And then all the single vineyards are about the same. Well, here's here's so Andre asked me a question. He said, "Where where does it, you know how does it make the step up on a tasting note?" Well, I told you what I got out of the village, out of the Niagara. As I said, it's a it's I don't want to say it's a simple Chardonnay, but it's just Chardonnay. It's got nice minerality, nice nice acidity. It's got like an apple core and and a hint of butteriness, but it doesn't have the complexity that Le Village brings to it. Without you know, the first note I got was pineapple, and I was like, oh, I really like that. And then the apple and the pear kind of slip in, and then right when you get to that finish, just as you're as you're swallowing it, that bananas foster kicks in with a hint of vanilla on the finish, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. The only drawback, uh, Thomas, that I have out of this is it's got like a medium length finish, and I want it to last longer. And okay, Mike- so let's again. I have to. Things are also uh, birth order. So let's see what we get from the single vineyard. So while you guys are opening your single vineyards, and while I'm using my Elvis slash Bacchus uh, opener from Mama Liz to Elizabeth to open this, I, I want to tell you what I'm doing with single vineyards. We've we've talked about this before, but it'll come into uh, focus as it does for me uh, when I tell you this. In the, when you look at the single vineyards against Village, you guys, you know, I'm standing in my cellar for 18 months uh, at different times going over to, in this case, Wilms. And I have like 10 barrels of Wilms or eight barrels of Wilms. And I'm saying, what, what barrels taste like what I think Wilms is? And that's where human comes uh, into the terroir. If you have a 10-year average of tasting a certain plot of Chambault Musigny or a certain plot of St. David's Bench or a certain plot of Beamsville, like the Saunders Vineyard. Uh, we don't have Saunders this year. I'll explain that in a bit. But, um, you know, when you get a 10-year average of something, you start to say, I know what that side of Wilms tastes like. And out of these 10 barrels, there are six that really show that with no other funk or, or or too obvious anything going on like too obvious oakiness or too obvious or you know and sometimes barrels barrel ferments are all different sometimes 
everything's one gram residual sugar and this one barrel over here is three. Well, that one for me is gonna be the one that goes all the way down to the bottom line because that will improve your blackboard label without bringing any sweetness to it because there's so many more barrels in the blackboard label. So you're looking to make a great single vineyard. You're looking for that barrel that didn't quite make it to go into your village and make a rock in village that's representative of Niagara. And then of course you want your Macon or your 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 uh, Ardoise blackboard label uh, to to bring joy to people's heart at a much lesser price, right? And uh, but you know I think I, if I get a little richer someday, I think I might declassify a few more new oaks into uh, the Ardoise the blackboard because I think uh, a little new oak there and, and don't take that the wrong way. I'm saying. We're, we're at about 5% new oak uh, on the blackboard, like nothing. And so uh, we could probably declassify some more down and just beef out that, uh, that profile without having to have the price go through the roof. It's all about price and terroir and, you know, what, what works in Niagara. So if, I, if I remember correctly, when we uh, when we tried the uh, 17 Wilms old vines, uh, Andre and I were, were big fans. Yes. So yes. now I'm about to try the 18. And Thomas, it's it's interesting uh, that you're releasing a 17 and an 18 in the same year. Yeah, are you going to have no. any wine for sale next year, Thomas? Well, that's it. That's he's you've net the, hit the nail on the head. We we finally got our our license uh, to sell last year. We uh, had a backlog of little bits of this and that to sell so we had some 15s last november our two cent you know the one we just had our release we call it our all saints and our saints being our single vineyard so we had some 15s and 16s to sell public had never seen so we we got we got the wilms out there after that and and now we want to stay regular two years we'd like to be two years after the harvest for our first release of our saints our two our single vineyards and that's why Wilms is coming out. You know, this is, you're tasting it, what is it, two years and one month after it was made in 2018. So so the, the, the issue is the 2017s came out a little later than you would have hoped because of your license. Thank you for translating that into common English. Thank you. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I was following. Um... <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I could be tough to follow. Okay, well, that's, you, you know, that, that's, that's good news because if the, yeah, if my math was uh, holding out and in the spring you were going to release the 2019s, there'd be no wine for next fall, which would be. That's right. So, no, the way it goes is this. It's a very Burgundian constructor construct, which is if you empty, you can empty your barrels before the harvest, which means you know, you bottle 11 months or or if you hold it in tank, if you have the tank space during harvest, you can bottle it 13 or 14 months. If you flip your barrels, if then they're empty for the next harvest. If you hold, then you've got to have two sets of barrels. So that's okay. Of course, that's what Batchelder does. And uh, so then you, now you're into the artistic phase where you grab you grab single vineyards when they taste right. There's a commercial side too. Like if you don't have wine to sell, it's really nice to get, for instance, the village a little earlier on to the market because people do tend to drink a little Chardonnay in the summer. So with 16 months elevage or 17 and three months bottle age, we can have the village, you know, on people's patios in in June. So like eight, uh, 18, uh, 20 months after the harvest, 
Uh, they've got a representative single single vineyard level wine. It just isn't a single vineyard, you know. It's a it's a. It, yeah, so it's, I just did a little math there, Andre, based on what you were saying, being two vintages a year. By the year 2025, uh, Thomas will be re- releasing his 2027 and 2028. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. That's good math. But yep. yeah, no, we'll we'll we'll. Uh, I think for the moment. Uh, we'll continue to uh, release single vineyards two years after and village a little bit before. Uh, you know, I mean, if, it, it also depends on, on how much the market can soak up. If we have another COVID where people don't buy wine, then you do may, may, maybe have a little. Uh, but COVID had happened at the same time for us as never having had a license before. So it was the first time we had that outlet, right? So uh, I just want to tell you one thing about the single vineyards. I think all of them are better this year. I'm not trying to sell you on it, but you know, Saunders excelled for itself last year. This year, I think, and I want to say it first because I know you guys won't listen to me unless you agree because you're honest people, you follow your own palace. But I think that Wilms is much improved, but Fox, it's the best Fox we've ever made. Uh, and Wingfield, I taste last because it's supposed to be the big dog, and I know you won't hold back. So let's go. Okay, I'm still. Well, Andre, I'm I guess I'll let you go first because I had the first two. So, uh, it's it's got a lot, a lot more personality than the chalkboard. I, I can tell you that much. But yeah. I mean, it should. It costs almost twice as much. Um, the the fruit is pushing right into tropical. To me, it just reminds me of like a mango lassi. Like it's even got a bit of that, a lot of that creaminess on the mid palate. The vanilla notes are a little bit more subdued, and spice notes are really well integrated. So there's nothing obtuse on the palate in terms of how that that allspice and nutmeg sometimes sticks out. Uh, you know, getting into Christmas here, it's a really nice kind of tangerine note on the nose and on the palate. Like it's just, it's just got me craving like a tropical fruit salad. I like it. It's it's very tasty. Yeah. What do you find that I, I love the? You see, we're working. It's Niagara in the Lake. It's easier to get obvious minerality on the bench. I think you'll see that with the Foxcroft. Yes. But I love the minerality here that comes from those old vines in that vineyard, which has a good mix of sand and silt and clay, as you as you well know. Um, I think the mineral uh, note, it, if anything, it'd be very subtle. Like the the fruit flavors are really just you know. They're unruly house guests in my mouth. Like it's literally like <laughs> like a wild a wild tropical fruit party on my palate, and the mineral note is is not there, and you can taste the heat from the the summer. Now that I asked you about how you you know just how you handled that versus twenty seventeen, um, you know, given that the the vines probably had a hard time you know pushing through all that heat from the twenty eighteen summer, I can I can I can see that, but thankfully the acids still holding up i don't know michael what, yeah. what's your note on this how, how far how far off the mark am i well i you know i got some of the notes you got first of all i i now know where the pineapple comes from in the lavillage i believe it's from here yeah, you're right um so that's what i know, think there's no it's got a nice uh rich richer mouth feel uh than i was expecting um and now i'm i'm all, obviously also comparing to the 17 uh, which which was uh, uh, you know my absolute favorite of that of that release. I I really loved that that Wilms Chardonnay. I just thought it just hit every single mark I liked in a Chardonnay. 
this one is seems like it's almost the polar opposite because it's got you know more butterscotch more vanilla more uh more of that that those barrel notes i get the mango guava spice tangerine that pineapple the subtle minerality is more of a wet stone like licking one of those you know a, a wet stone out of a, a, a riverbed or something much better than out of a fish tank not out of a fish tank because those are those little little ones that are full of fish poop so you don't want that um but this this to me uh oh, that was a good pop surprised me how how rich it was in the mouth and how much i was expecting it to be and again it shows vintage variation uh that niagara gives obviously but um uh, it's it's not the 17, and uh, I I'm a, I'm thinking it may not be my favorite this time. My, yeah, Michael, well, I get the feeling that as wine writers, we're going to be chasing the the dragon for the quality of the 2017 uh, Chardonnay and Pinot for quite some time. I, I something about that that vintage where the quality of the wine's just off the charts. Well, uh, if you guys, uh, I'd love to respond to that. I've just pulled my 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 Foxcroft a cork. Uh, and so I'm going to pour my last, and I'll, and I'll just give you, I, I've got another anecdote for you, but not quite yet. I want to just talk to that. So once again, and I don't promise this forever, once again, I've used no new oak on any three of these. Wow. Until I'm sure I've got a handle on Niagara-Lake, I really, really want to honor Niagara-Lake. I'm a bench guy through and through. I love the bench. I love everything the bench does. However, I think, you know, if you're if you're living in France and you've got plots in Chablis and in Merceau and and um, Pouligny Montrachet and somebody says to you, hey, you want to come down to the Maconnet and get some Puy Fusé uh, grapes from it? You, you're there. You just don't compare them. And I think that's what I want to do. We, we forget about Nagano Lake that it has the oldest vines in the peninsula. And that is like a drug for someone who loves terroir. So anytime somebody proposes you a part or a few rows of a vineyard in Nagano Lake, you can go out and buy bottles done by somebody smarter and better than you maybe, but you can find them and you can say, just like in Burgundy, do I want to do this? And again, before that, before we got into Wilms, and we've got two more vineyards now in Niagara Lake. But before oh. we got in Wilms, we were only in Lowry. And Lowry was the first wine, the Pinot Noir, that I ever made in Niagara where I could listen to someone else about it. I could listen to Carl Kaiser, uh, one of my mentors before he passed. I could listen to Rob and uh, Rob Power and, and Craig. Uh, Craig, who's got a, a big job now over at, at Trias and, and Peller, but they used to be together at Creekside. It was their reserve Pinot for years. So you could taste their wines and say, oh, if I could only have some of that fruit some someday. But but with a lot of other vineyards, you can't. Niagara Lake has older vines. It's 1983 planting of Chardonnay, 1980 planting, 83 planting of Gamay. We've got some other wines older than that coming out in the future. But... Thomas, who, hey, sorry, you you threw a, a you you know as you do on this podcast, you casually yes, throw a, a bit of knowledge down, and a, you know you're pretty good at breaking news on on uh, on this <laughs> podcast. So you let us know when you got your license, but sort of buried the lead on that. Where else are you working with in Niagara on the Lake, and and is it Chardonnay or Pinot? So it's harder to find uh, 
Pinot in Niagara Lake, but you can find it. And I'd love to get there. I'd love to do a single vineyard. I would so love, you know, I'm working with the clove, but, but uh, I would love for Artera to let me have some uh, Montague Chardonnay someday and Pinot. If they're listening now, it's, it's really my Christmas wish. Oh, but that would be I, amazing, man. What I do have, what I do have, and, and again, through Carl Kaiser and of course, seeing Phil Dowell do those wines, and of course, Bruce Nicholson do a great job with those wines. But 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 aside from that, I got to tell you that uh, on line two is the Wilms Vineyard. So for people listening to us who aren't from this area, right down near the old town in Niagara Lake, there's a road called the Stone Road because it was one of the first surfaced roads. And we all love to call it Stone Road, but it's you know also called Highway 55, and it's a two-lane highway. And on the USA side of that, or the eastern side of that, going towards Lewiston, which is the first town in the U.S. across Niagara River, okay, because Niagara goes from west to east, uh, you will find the Wilms Vineyard planted in 83 and later, and it is on line, uh, line two. On line three, the line that Inniskillen is on, there's a little old vineyard uh, owned by Jackson Bai, and that's exactly what we're going to call it, B-A-I. And uh, he's a wonderful man, and him and his wife came over from China, and by God, he's out there in the vines doing his own thing. And um, he's letting me have some of his, yes, Chardonnay and Gamay, mm. only they're planted in 81. I mean, how far can we keep going backwards? Let's do it. That's so fantastic. I started with the 84 vines of Lowry, then 83 with Wilms, and now 81. And those that is some pretty interesting stuff. And so uh, that's coming out next year. Uh, we've done two years of that with 19 and 20. And, and there's more coming. But I mean, I think it's very unusual that they would plant Chardonnay and Gamay back then. And I'm loving it because Gamay is, you know, it, it, it costs less currently per ton and it doesn't want any new barrels, so I don't have to have them in there in the mix. And we can come out with Gamay cheaper. So, I mean, and that's a love story that hopefully we'll be talking about again next April 2nd, because I can't wait to put out about another single vineyard in Gamay and let people taste Niagara through these grapes. Was that short enough as an answer? That was close. Yep, pretty close. Yeah, It was typical. It allowed me, it allowed me to taste the Wismer Foxcroft Nord. Let's go. Um, I found the banana. I think it's in this one. Ah, well, I'm not there yet. Okay. Um, I'm with you on that, Michael. Uh, actually, uh, it, and my brain didn't snap to banana until then, because the thing is, um, as Thomas said, and I wish he hadn't said anything, but lo and behold, here we are. The mineral note is way more present, but I think that's just one of the signatures of Wismer Foxcroft. Yeah, the minerality here, the acidity is good. It's got a nice creamy mouthfeel on this one, uh, and that acidity and that minerality help pull the creaminess back. It, it it takes you a few sips to really find the creaminess amongst the acidity, amongst the minerality, but that banana, that vanilla, this isn't bananas foster, but it is the banana. So now I'm assuming, and I don't know why, that Wismer Wingfield is going to have some some big butterscotch note. I don't know why, because that would, that would bring the bananas foster together. Yeah, and I want to talk about my children, uh, you know, being the single vineyards, not my real children, and, and say that you already mentioned a huge thing, Michael. You mentioned, you know, for wine lovers and we're single vineyard lovers, we have to accept the fact of, uh, of vintage variation. 
But within, and, and it's tough for me sometimes, you know, but within that, we also have to accept that we may like our children differently in different ways. And it's like, I imagine if these three children, Wilms, Wismer Foxcroft, which is about 3.9 kilometers from the lake, uh, uh, no, just under five, and Wismer Wingfield, the last one, which is six kilometers from the lake, you know, over six, and at a higher altitude, some years they bring home the report cards and you're pissed with them. And you say like, now I gotta go meet the teacher, man. And other years uh, they bring home the, you know, and Wismer Wingfield, which is my go-to Grand Vin, uh, if I have to name something a Grand Cru in Niagara and I don't think we're gonna classify, then I would, I would do that one most of the time. But this year Fox said, you know, like I'm tired of being the kid who brings her, the home the report card and, and you and you say every time good for you but Wingfield's better so in this notion of better I don't like it anyway but I think Foxcroft this year is really the best it could be I could almost have chosen any barrel and using someone else's words I think this is one of the most oyster shell wines I've ever tasted in my life if you know we all know what they taste like if we eat oysters because inevitably you end up crunching an oyster shell in your mouth it's not just what's suggested from eating the oyster uh and i love that it's lower on the bench it's closer to the lake it probably has you know more deposits in some way i don't know and this is called north because we or north because we separate the hill into two and um i'm going to address saunders here in a second the the higher part of the hill the south towards lake erie has a better slope and I knew it was going to be the best. I was wrong. The, the, as it flattens out, Fox gives this. And as soon as you guys want to come to the cellar, I want to show you Fox North versus South. They're both very good, but South tends to illuminate the village a little more. And I put all, uh, most of the North into the single vineyard. So distinctive. I'm not sure I'm I'm getting the full when you when you talk about the the mineral note. I think 2018 was just too much heat. I know in, in cooler vintages that mineral note really tends to sing a little bit more. It's an important component to this wine, but uh, I don't know. I'm 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 not I'm not getting I'm not getting the oyster shell to this. Well, try it again tomorrow night and tell me what you think. I will do I, because that. I thought he meant he, he wants it with oysters. That's that's what I got out of that conversation. <laughs> no, I think it's got an unusual minerality to it compared to the other two that. So you're, you're thinking of a, a briny, salty minerality. Yes. Briny, salty that stays on my back palate once the wine is gone. And by the way, quite good length too. Maybe the best so far. It, it does have nice length to it. Uh, I, I finishes slaty, put it another way. You know, it finishes, on stone not on acid or butterscotch or anything it finishes very clean and these are all the same dryness all these are way less than two grams per liter of of glucose well uh, just to to jump ahead really quickly here i i did find the uh, vanilla caramel uh it's subtle it's uh it's on the uh the wismer wingfield it borders on butterscotch but not enough to bring it uh, the the full weight of the foster part of the banana but there's enough there that I, I can see when all three of those get together, why it made that bananas foster note. Yeah, like part of flavors when you do the village, part of the flavor and the complexity of the village is that it, it is a combination. And as you say, it can 
it makes certain things highlight or, or the combination becomes an alchemy that that didn't exist before in any of the wines. So yeah, and that's what's so um, fun to make the village, you know. So are we well, moving the, to Wismer Wingfield? I, yeah, I am the, on Wismer yeah, Wingfield. The, Wingfield the, has that kind of, I know you don't use a lot of new oak. If, if, uh, if I remember correctly, you said you'd use none this year. But there's probably uh, at least some one-year-old in here, and uh, it has given it a little bit of that, you know, just a touch of that vanilla caramel. It's given it a, a, a creaminess on the palate. Uh, but there's a nice little peach note here. Well seen, um, I'm getting, Michael. I, I'm getting cinnamon, cinnamon hearts on the nose. Like, it's not an overpowering thing, but, like, it's very distinctly that Valentine's Day mm. candied, like, candied cinnamon nose, you know? Like... I think a lot of the other spice, like the spice notes in the Wilms and the Wismer Foxcroft is more that typical, you know, pumpkin pie spice, the allspice nutmeg, etc. But this is, man, that's really jumping out at me. You know, yeah, I, I got that too. And for our our, our, our viewers, for our, our listeners, our auditeurs, I wanted to pick up on something you both said, which is, you know, we're using the barrels, Chardonnay terroir lovers use the barrels to ferment the wine and we're, we're not trying to avoid all these spicy things a lot of these things come right from the grape uh but some people are looking more to have a signature and we're looking more to have the individual vineyards uh sing out in their own way and clearly to me these three do they're so different they all have a note that you could say comes from the barrel. But to Michael's point, yes, there's no new oak. The new oak, one barrel went to Village and the rest went further down to the bigger lots, to Mineralite and to the Blackboard. But in not using new oak here, they get the best second oak. Absolutely true. So the second oak has a softer caress, but it's and it preserves more minerality, but it's still it leaves its mark a little bit. And, um, you know, I see that here. Uh, do do you guys have a fave of these three? Let's go back to, I'd like to go back to Wilms, if, if you wouldn't mind before. And by the way, fave, for me, when I say it, it's just a fave. It's not for tonight. It's not for the seller. It's just which of the wine, the terroir is speaking to me this year or right now. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to just uh, talk about the the West for a minute, um, Andre. I got that that cinnamon heart, but as I started sniffing it a little more, it, it ended up being more like sweet tart uh, or rockets. Remember those things you get at uh, oh, at yeah. Halloween, that sugary stuff. Totally, but like Which in has, the best way, in the best way possible. And you know, yeah, it's, it, but it's just that that sugary note when you open the package and you get it, and you go woof, and you go, oh yeah, it's, it's, there it, they I, are. I like that you you chose those candies as um the, as your Pardon me, those candies as your point, because when I say cinnamon heart, like cinnamon hearts, if you take a handful of cinnamon hearts and put it in your mouth, it's overpowering. Yeah, it kills you. You know, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot of spice. It's a lot of sugar. It's a lot of everything. Where rockets, you know, it it has that fruitiness to it, but it's subtle until you put it in your mouth and you get all that that sweetness. So I, I think, yeah, oh, I hate agreeing with you this much. About Chardonnay too. That's the fun part. I know. You know, and you guys, I just love listening to you, and I and I love listening to any journalist who's passionate about their work because that's not my job. Well, it is my job if I feel like talking about somebody else's wine, but I've lived with these for well for ten years. Some of these vineyards now, 
specifically with these for two years to almost to the day as we sit here in late November and I just see them like for what they what they are and 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 what I think their bone structure is and you know whether they're athletic or whether they're going to go to college I'm looking at them that way and I don't so much try to come up with uh, tasting notes on them so it's fascinating to listen to you I, I can't believe there's that much stuff in these wines but uh, but you know love to hear it um you're not making this up are you guys no 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 not at all so you, you asked us which one is 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 speaking to us um i'll, I'll, I I'll be go honest back to yeah i i like the ripeness uh, on the wilms um you going back to it i i did go back to it and it's just like now that it's warmed up a little bit um you know i had a, a slight bitter note when the first time I tasted it, because it was too cold, that now that it's warmed up, it's gone. It's just, it's a torrent of fruit that's caressed in like a beautiful vanilla hug. Um, wow, how do you come up with that stuff so fast? When you, you were lying to your mom, she had no idea because you're pretty fast. <laughs> Tell that to his wife. Yeah. But I'm bummed. Um, so far, I, I'm on Foxcroft. I think I like I like that a little bit better than than the other two. But they're all three. The they're all three right now. Very very fine wines. Well, you know what? We are all on Team Canada for sure because what we're doing right here is we are proving that these differences. None of these vineyards do I own. Yes, I watch them all summer, but that's about it. And I choose them, of course, because you try to choose what part of what vineyard you like, and you try to lobby like the way you know lawyers and lobbyists lobby in washington and ottawa i try to lobby for the part of the vineyard that i think i can get and will have interesting flavors but mostly i want the i want niagara to be a world-class chardot pinot and gamay place and i and i want people to see the differences and maybe not have fist fights in the street over what's better in terms of terroir but but get behind certain wines. And I mean, there's a lot of uh, Foxcrofts out there and I think people are really starting to like that vineyard. And and I really had to push to find what part of it. I just couldn't single vineyard it. It always went into the blackboard label. And then till I find the North, it's much more distinctive. Has to be something that when I taste it, I say, oh, that's Foxcroft. Not that I can't be fooled, which is very easy, but when I'm standing in front of my barrels and there's 10 of them and six of them are north and four of them feel like a jewel when you put them together, that's what I'm trying to say. And so, yes, humans humans have an effect on terroir, but we're trying to get out of the way. We're not trying to put lipstick on, on them, you know, or, or trying to put hairspray on them. But yes, ultimately, if you ferment something in a barrel, even if you love terroir and you don't want the barrel to market you're going to end up with some barrel notes and it's always questionable with rich chardonnay what what is barrel and what is the grapes but i want to tell you right now if you go with all used barrels and i mean really used like four or five years old it works for a while but you need to renew that fleet of barrels because the newer barrels bring great breadth that wonderful world word that nobody uses b-r-e-a-d-t-h great breadth and and, and great of uh, texture and length because they get more oxygen in them because the older barrels even if they're clean they're the pores are just so shoved full 
with the wine from past relationships. They, they have emotional baggage, as we've talked about before here. And so I think you need some newer, they don't have to be new, newer barrels help over the 18 month with their higher evaporation rate to create wines with these kind of depth. And I mean, the 18s for me, I think I'm a big lover of, you know, 17 and 19, but I'm astonished how Niagara can do in a hot year. Like I'm, I'm happy with these wines. And I think maybe we'll all like the 19s better. Maybe we'll still love the 17s, but if, if Niagara, you know, can do this in a warmer year, you know, where do I sign? I mean, that's the thing though, Mike, Michael, Mike, sorry. Uh, do you want to go ahead, Michael? No, go ahead. I think I don't know what you're going to say. Uh, so well, I'm just afraid. Michael. Michael and I have have made a, a commitment on the podcast here to kind of do a rediscovery of because um, we've gone so Pinot and Shard focused during 2019 and the end of uh, 2018 on this podcast that I think it's important for us to take a look at some of the other grapes. I think Riesling and and Cabernet Franc are going to be a focus of what we're doing for. A little while, but I mean, for me, the foundation of what makes premium wine in Niagara is Pinot and Chard because of how well it performs in a cool vintage or a warm vintage. And I, I know the discussion that Michael and I are having is going to be a little bit bigger about training the, the consumer to appreciate what a cool vintage Niagara Cabernet Franc is versus a, a, a warm vintage. You know, maybe it's just being a little bit lazy as a consumer that, you know, you have a certain expectation of what Chardonnay and Pinot can taste like in a warm and a cool vintage. Um, I don't know, just putting that out That's there. really good stuff. When, when I don't talk, it means I'm listening. That's good stuff. Well, I, I, can, I can tell you right now, I, I what I was going to say is I really, I think my favorite of all five wines uh, is the Le Village. And because yeah, there are, are things I, I don't like in the Wilms, I like the Wilms, but there are certain things, aspects I don't like. Um, and there are certain aspects of, of the Wingfield that I'm like, ah, kind of, kind of mezzo mezzo about. I really like the Foxcroft, but when you bring them all together, and I think that is like the, you know, the, uh, the thought of, you know, the reason Bordeaux blends is so they can make a really good wine in off vintages. And I think 18 may be one of those vintages that is just a little bit off the beaten track for certain varieties uh, and maybe too hot for Pinot and Chard, um, you know, and when it got into the the rainy parts, you know, the Cab Sauve and the Syrah and the Cab Franc may not have liked it. Uh, so I, I think this is where the art of the blend comes in, and that's where I think the village really speaks to me because it brings all the parts of those three single vineyard wines that I really like and somehow diminishes the parts I don't like. And you know, interesting. Uh, and now, now, make a really good wine with that Le Village. Hey, Thomas, and, uh, when, uh, when, when is the Le Village going on sale? Because I'm on your website right now. I, I see, like, you No, we put it out in the spring with the Gamays. It's just that. Oh, God, I, I got to wait that long. Next year, I think. No, but no, but it came out in the spring. But I think next year, well, we've already tasted it together. But I think what, what, let me start over. I think next year I'm going to re or re release the Village so people can try the Village with the three or four single vineyards. Two years ago, there was no, in 17, there was no Foxcroft because it was reduced. It had a matchstick thing to it. And I couldn't help that. It came from the vineyard, but it was subtle. I don't single vineyard things I don't want to drink, but boy, did it help out. 
the Blackboard Ardoise label, the Mineralite. And this year, it was no Saunders because uh, it's an old vine vineyard, but it just suffered too much and it went all to sparkling to another producer. So I didn't have any Saunders uh, in this year. And I know you guys like Saunders, but uh, Michael, I, you know, I started, you guys, I think I'm going to say this for the first time, anybody, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts. I think you guys have to rebrand yourself because you guys are doing an intellectual look at wine. Uh, so there you go. Nobody's ever <laughs> criticized you of that before. No, nope. uh, nope. I don't think nope. I don't think I've ever been accused of being intellectual anything. Yeah, I don't so. think intellectual has ever ever come across. Well, that's the first time I think it's ever actually been said on the podcast, and now we've said it three times. I said you do intellectualize, and I like being here. That's part of the reason I like coming back because we all think about things greater than ourselves or than our individual brands. And we're trying to think about Niagara and its place in the world to your point of, of coming back with the other two great grapes of Niagara, Riesling and Cabernet Franc. And by the way, Cabernet Franc bench versus Lakeshore stuff, which is a cool distinction too. I'm sure you'll get to that. But I, but Michael, when you first went on to the village, you didn't, you loved everything about it, but you didn't find uh, the length that, maybe you found now after the single vineyards as it warmed up so i i i ask you guys to taste these again tomorrow night but more so i'll tell you how you're influencing me because when i was looking at that blend which i'm glad michael thinks is a success uh i think what i'm going to do next year i was looking at how i could make a complex wine uh with not too much Wilms, not too much Wingfield, and not too much Fox. I had them all. I had them all. Whatever I didn't use was going down to the black label in the restaurant. But I was looking at minerality, weight, complexity. Forgot, I think, to look at length. So <laughs> a different barrel in here, a different barrel out there, and you could have had more length too. What do you think about the length now, Michael? After the, the um, you know what, I'm going to myself a little more then. Because I was I was just looking at uh, uh, the the wine as it as it sat in my mouth and and how I liked it so well and that's what uh, I did right I was looking for I didn't want any of the three to dominate but I wanted somebody to say what you just said is like you get complexity here and it's ten bucks less and you know it's like it's 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 really nice to have something at thirty five bucks thirty five bucks that has been aged for a long time in barrels, cost a lot of money to make wine that way, but it's still a price where somebody who didn't have a lot of money, but who loved Chardonnay, could buy it for their Christmas wine or for their New Year's wine, or their I'd like to get together with friends if I was allowed to get with friends wine. And I think, you know, you can't do that with Burgundy anymore. You've got to buy at the $70 level to get what Niagara can do at 35. So it's it's just it's just scarcity, right? But I'm, I'm I think we're all looking at like the cool climate Chardonnay thing does. We're all looking at yeah. If we all focus on this, someday the world will understand that Niagara really does Chardonnay well, and not in too obvious way, in a subtle way with subtle differences. It's also so it's also Michael talks about length, but I, I get the feeling Thomas that you and I both drink Chardonnay the same way. I don't like my Chardonnay when it's been in the fridge. I like 
you know, five degrees off of room temperature, maybe seven degrees off the room temperature once my wife yeah. has set the temperature in the room. Like, that 16 degrees, enough that it feels cool to touch the bottle, but not that it's cold. I just find that, like, I'm, I'm finding the length on all three of these, because I've been, I've been taking little splashes as we've been listening to you talk. It's getting longer and longer as the wine warms up. Yeah, and I think so. And I think I think there will come a time when you guys and I will be together and we'll allowed, be allowed to be together and we'll look at these 18s again and we'll say, you know, 18 is a pretty effing good year. See, I did not drop the F-bomb. However, I'm not going to say that it's better than 17 or 19 because those years are the cool ones the three of us really love. What This is more the year of surprise that a warm year didn't have to be heavy you know it's pretty precise and i'm and i'm pretty pleased with that but the other thing i'm thinking about tonight listening to you guys in terms of i don't want to have a winemaking style but i want to have a way of expressing terroir i think if once i get over this fear of of over oaking wilms right because i want to honor those old vines so i never I, I i kicked out the new oak out of that cuvee i think i think if I can, you know, get one uh, for the single vineyards, get one pristine new oak barrel. So it means I'll put two or three on and then just keep one. I declassify a year and a half later. If I can get one new oak per seven barrels, something like that, I think we're going to have just a little more definition and a little more weight. And it's a, it's a fun path to go down. So um, maybe someday. Wilms with a, just a little new oak, and we'll see where we go with that. So I, I, I came back to you, asked me about the uh, the finish. Uh, it's it's still, to me, a, a medium-length finish, but it has a, just a subtle replay that comes in once or twice, kind of like, like the ball bouncing on the ground. It bounces high, and then it and then it kind of dies, but it kind of does the old, you know, the tennis ball thing, the do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> uh, so it's it's not it's not a long finish but it's it's got that little bouncy ball at the end that kind of you know just kind of hangs around a little bit but not nothing i would call a long finish and secondly uh what i really like is that uh andre and i are both uh we we do not have cameras on our on our computers but thomas has decided to go camera tonight and where he's sitting in his cellar he's actually like two-faced from batman so ha half of his face is in in the light and the other half is in shadow, so it makes me wonder if uh, if Thomas is talking out of both sides of his mouth. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, you guys never, I repeat, I don't, I'm rare to repeat myself about wine, but you guys never repeat yourself with an idea. We're going to have to do a many uh, podcasts before we would hear you guys repeat yourself. But I would like to talk about one more thing okay. about Christmas. I've had this idea about the holiday season, whether people, uh, whether people celebrate Christmas or celebrate Hanukkah or celebrate nothing, they are the coldest, uh, darkest uh, nights of the year. And uh, that's why all the lights, pagan tradition, right? Uh, are, those the, are those the only three choices? I'm just checking. Christmas, Hanukkah, and nothing? What, about like, what happened to Festivus? This, and there's Kwanzaa, just, too? Hang on. Well, what I was thinking this year, and I want to throw it out there for you guys. Okay. Uh, uh, good night, guys. Well then, Andre, I you know what? I really think that Le Village was my favorite of those wines. You know what? 
um, we can now say we're recording this extra the day after we did the podcast, and Thomas did actually deliver me Le Village, so I had a chance to revisit it, uh, or sorry, to visit it for the first time. I was shocked at how spot on your Bananas Foster note is, and uh, per Thomas's request, I kept the components aside. Uh, you know, I put the cork back in, left them overnight. I think all three of them improved overnight in the fridge, but uh, it's it's fascinating. Just the two uh, Wismer vineyards both had that banana note. Yeah, I was I was pretty interested to find out how those components came together, and just one of them adds just that little note of caramel into it. And uh, yeah, it's it, it really it's always fun to talk to Thomas about his wines because you know he is just so passionate about everything he does, and I always feel bad when I when I on him <laughs> you know what a it's, it's, a, it's a thing though but i think we, we alluded to it guess, in the most diplomatic way possible i think for niagara we're going to be chasing the dragon for a little while uh with the quality of the pinot and the chardonnay from the 2017 vintage because you know here's my assessment of these wines 45 dollars, 47 dollars a bottle um are they worth it i think so am i buying it with as much gusto as i was with the 2017 definitely not and even yeah, I, think the, Thomas, I think the 17, my my assessment, and I think Thomas said this, the 17s are are just a little bit better, and he thinks the 19s are going to be a little bit better. And I mean, that's the other uh, thing, you know, too. It, there, there's not a lot of these wines. So, you know, like full disclosure, right after the podcast, I did buy two bottles of the Wilms Vineyard, because I still maintain that's the one that, that I enjoy. But frankly, I, I like a little bit more of that ripeness, the mango and the pineapple. I think you're probably right that the the Wismers are a little bit more restrained and and likely will turn into something a little bit more elegant. Something you could that you know you know you can shove in the cellar and uh, take to dinner one day. Yeah, kind of like how. Well, forget it. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go into that analogy. Okay. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a sexist analogy. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. No, no, we're we're behaving ourselves. We're um, we're we're voices for change in the industry, Michael. Voices for change. <laughs> maybe that's our that's maybe that's our charity. Maybe. Anyways, um, you know, we still are um, selling decks of cards. I, I think we're getting dangerously close to not getting them for Christmas. But you know, if you're looking for something to pick up um, that you can play with your friends once uh, we're able to see each other face to face. Go to blindersgame.com, use the promo code 2GTW, and you'll get a discount on uh, on your decks of uh, Blinders cards. The people who have already rushed out and bought them using our promo code, we thank you very much because it does help us keep the podcast on the air. And that's the number two. Yes. Because I didn't, I didn't even realize two um, It's a four-digit four uh, promo code. So the number 2GTW. Yep. We tried to keep it as simple as possible, but I guess that's a problem when you're name has a number in it because it's both a word and a number yeah yeah uh we got we patreon thought that through we got patreon uh, yeah patreon's still out there pa- uh nobody's taking us up sadly on the uh um the, on the tasting the we'd really tasting. like to do that for somebody it'd be a great uh, christmas gift and you know what because it's a six month uh six month sort of commitment you're gonna help this podcast continue going and you know it's the gift that will just you know keep on giving eventually something like that Something to that nature, yeah, yeah. And then we have that producer's uh, thing. Somebody's already taken us up on that. Yep, Listen yep. to the end of the podcast, you'll yep. hear who produces this. That's right. Anyways, I'm Andre Peru of andrewinereview.ca. And you can follow me on social media at Andre Wine Review. And I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. 
com. And actually, I do own the .ca, Andre. I never, I never thought about that, but I do have that, and it links up there too. Well, there so. you go. I am too poor to buy both AndreWineReview.ca and .com, but maybe I'll tell you the bargain way to do it. Uh, whatever. Anyways, take us away. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Adam Duran.